Hello and welcome to the Ultra Working Podcast. Sebastian Marshall here with Chris Natterer. You know, I know why podcasts don't usually say we're going to explore a question and not successfully answer it at the end. That's like not the most satisfying thing in the world. But I actually think just having the question is going to be useful in and of itself to you, right? Just the question. I feel like a lot of people kind of are vaguely aware this is an important thing, but haven't thought about it explicitly and deliberately. So we're going to set up the question. We're going to explore the question, and then the show will end. And you will have an interesting question. But but actually, the question should be a useful kind of tool to evaluate things. So uh, without further ado, I'll turn it over to Chris. He could talk to you about how he was thinking about this recently and we'll go back and forth and see if we can both set up a very useful question and kind of dig around to get some kind of uh, heuristics and preliminary answers. Chris. Yeah. So I was thinking about, um, you know, how to improve in a number of different areas. It was like, you know, it's the beginning of the year. So I'm looking at some plans. I'm like trying to figure out what uh, makes sense and how I want to approach getting better in, in those areas. And I realized time, hey, some of these areas, I seem to um, approach it from one direction. And in other areas, I, I seem to have approached it from a different direction. I'm like, hmm, not really sure like by what schema I'm doing this. And, and this, the two directions are in some areas, I uh, identified some things I didn't like. And it's like, hey, let me, let me get rid of um, these, these things here that I don't like and I don't think are valuable. And in other areas, I identified things that I did like and wanted to do more of or, or add in for the first time. And I thought, hey, I can, I can add these in and I can focus on doing more of the good stuff. And I thought that was an interesting um, real, real observation, realization that that is uh, often the case. And a few examples came to mind. And I thought I would you know, bring this um, observation to you to discuss with you and talk about what do you uh, think about it? Yeah, it, it's tricky, right? So the, the question that any given listener of the show can now add to their set of stuff is if I want to improve somewhere, do I start by cutting the badness or do I start by adding more goodness? It's like really not obvious. It's like really, really, really not obvious. If you want to be productive – some mix of adding good practices and cutting bad practices. If you want to be a better communicator, some mix of adding good practices and cutting bad practices. Uh, you know, you're big into the health and fitness side of things. That was one of your, your go-to examples. Some mix of cutting bad stuff and adding good stuff. And it's really, really interesting. It seems to vary by domain. There doesn't seem to be a single universal rule. I like the observation you, you gave to me when we were doing prep before we were on air. You're talking about candy and protein. <laughs> this seems germane to the situation. Well, yeah, the, the example there was that let's say you wanna you wanna you know get your diet on a on a better level overall. You could start or you could focus on um, stopping to eat all of the things that you know are, you know, just not beneficial for you. Um, most, you know, it could be, could be candy, it could be drinking sodas, whatever it is, doesn't really matter. Um, and I think that's like a very common approach and you see it show up in a lot of 
New Year's resolution. Hey, this year I really want to cut down on you know, whatever X, Y, Z. Um, on the flip side, you could focus on putting more of the stuff into your diet that that you know seems to be really beneficial. I made the example of you know fresh vegetables and protein, and yeah, then I thought about how do these things interact. You know, um, what happens when you focus on adding more stuff in like what happens with the bad stuff is it just going to stay at the same level is it going to get somewhat replaced yeah um and um it's it's not not necessarily clear like what i would what i would suggest or pick or do for myself even yeah it's interesting you know i i forget who i wish i could give them credit um if if we recall or if a listener remembers they can write to us at podcast at ultraworking.com we'll see if we can get some credit out there but i remember there was this somebody in medicine you, you know like uh you know medicine's getting a little more uh, a little more holistic a little more like hey let's not just do some some surgery and then give you some painkillers let's let's think about your lifestyle let's think about your stress levels a little bit of that and uh you know it's been uh it's been standard well understood advice for a while that people that have an actual genuine clinical diagnosis of ADHD, right? Not, we're not gonna go down that path today and talk about that and the merits of that and psychology and psychiatry and whatever, but for real, there's a a, a class of people that, that have a, a, you know, some difficulty concentrating executive function, time issues, whatever. Right. Um, and like, there's been a standard advice for a while of just like, get off sugar, like get off sugar. If you've got that as an issue and simple refined carbs and stuff, people say sugar, but you know, like all of the garbage, French fries aren't sugar per se, but they're starchy garbage. Right. Um, and then there was this one, I don't know, it was like a psychiatrist or some kind of like holistic MD that was working on this. Like somebody that was like in the know on this was like, just get breakfast, right? Just get breakfast, right? With protein and vegetables, like eggs, maybe some meat and vegetables, to start the day. No fruit, no fruit juice, no sugar. And then do whatever. Like whatever. You have ADHD. You, you want to go freaking wolf a pack of muffins at 11 a.m.? Can't stop you. Not even going to try. But have freaking breakfast. Hard-boiled eggs. You know, uh, uh, can of tuna. You know, just, just, just protein and vegetables in the morning. So that's taking an addition approach. Just nail one thing added to your morning. It's funny because, like, in theory, in theory, it'd be kind of like all roads lead to Rome, right? If you're skipping breakfast entirely and then you're getting hungry after two, three hours and you're hitting the Pop-Tarts, you're starting the day with a Pop-Tart. Well, you add in the meat, the vegetables, the eggs. That kind of takes the place of the Pop-Tarts. On the flip side... If you really strike all the sugar, all the starch, all the simple carbohydrates, you still have to eat something. What else is left? Eggs, <laughs> you know, eggs, tuna, meat, right? So in theory, both places would converge in the same place, you know? In theory, if when you get off your your, your job, if you work at an office – right? Um, instead of uh, uh, taking a car, you're going to take a bicycle ride home. You know what I mean? And it's 90 minutes. Or 
on the opposite side, if you used to, you know, hop in the car, get a quick car ride and then watch TV, I'm not going to watch TV in the evenings and I'm not going to use electronics. I'll do something else. Well, that might open up the time and the space for bike riding. In theory, they would kind of converge on the same place, right? You strike something sufficiently bad. Now there's an open space to do something good. You start doing something good that will supplant whatever you were doing at that time and place. But it doesn't actually seem to work like that. It seems like there's actually some pretty big differences with the strike first versus add first approach. There are some fields where the activities don't really interact with each other. So, you know, you could be spending, you could be putting in some bad activities, some good activities, but the ratios shift, but it doesn't really make uh, the bad activities don't influence the good activities. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Elaborate. So, so yeah, what I'm, so for example, in, uh, you know, just two examples that we just brought up, we brought up uh, like, you know, activities like productivity wise or like enjoyment wise, like things you do in your, in your free time or uh, in nutrition, the foods that you eat, you actually have some kind of, um, interaction between those. So, for example, if you're um, if you want to eat a lot of you know, let's say freshly steamed vegetables that are natural, you know, like a broccoli, like a something fairly fairly taste, you know, moderate in taste. There's not really super heavy flavors in there. But in your the rest of your your day, you're eating I don't know pop tarts and, and uh, heavy uh, heavy processed foods with a lot of artificial uh, flavor enhancers. It's going to get. It's going to be a little bit more difficult to enjoy the broccoli because you're, you know, kind of saturating your your flavor buds with a lot of really heavy flavors. I I would assume, and I think you know the, the research points in this direction as well that your taste buds are just not going to be happy like really stimulated by you eating now a piece of broccoli. So you're actually going to make it easier for yourself to enjoy the kind of food that you, you know, let's say want to eat more of by having cut out the bad stuff first on in the area of, um, you know, and I think this is also like shown, I mean, reading a book, it's not necessarily like super stimulating. You know, you sit there, you have to concentrate takes a bit of uh, you know, your mental willpower to go through like a heavy book that's really densely written. It's much easier in terms of, you know, just like letting your mind wander to, to put in like, you know, a bunch of videos and stuff like that. So it's actually, it's actually not so easy to, to have like the best, highest activity and the worst activity in there at the same time because one is going to make the other one a little bit harder do, do you uh yeah that's that's really interesting like what you're saying there I, I, by the way i hadn't actually identified this as a universal principle i knew this locally this is why i love talking about stuff like this and exploring this right uh, i'd identified this locally um I, I think what you're saying about the the taste buds thing is is uh, there's a pretty much a consensus on that is it's very hard it's super hard to do research on like what are you subjectively feeling and how much are you enjoying a food like a good freaking luck with that and setting up controls on that and blinding it and there's all kinds of funny stuff as well like the dye 
white wine, red stuff. Like there's all kinds of funny stuff. Um, but like the general consensus is that also kind of like makes sense. Also kind of just like makes sense. If you're having a bunch of chocolate chip cookies that are like really gooey, sugary, buttery chocolate chip cookies. And then you eat a piece of like totally decent, good quality bread. The bread will taste bland, right? On the other hand, if you were having a very, very, very bland diet, and then you had a piece of totally decent, well-made, high-quality bread, the bread would taste very rich and flaky and whatever, right? So there's a bit of a some sort of contrast effect, right? What is also interesting to me is that activities that are physical, like riding a bicycle, like riding a bicycle, somehow don't seem like when you're riding a bicycle like it's different than the cognitive activities you do enough and there's like enough attentional demand to like not crashing or running into somebody's chevrolet on the road or whatever you know there's enough of that going on that it doesn't seem to be contrasted against i could be i don't know i don't watch tv but some people do and they get a big kick out of it i could be watching tv right now do you know what i mean whereas you know, like reading blog posts, reading books, and then like looking at social media all seem to somewhat scratch the same itch. You know what I mean? And and get compared against each other, you know, like, like Twitter with these little bite-sized information things is like easier to consume than like an essay. And that's a lot easier to consume than a textbook um, that you got to really sit and read and, and, and work it out a little bit. Um so that's really interesting is that if you want to add a good activity and subtract some bad activities, if the good activity is going to feel like garbage, in contrast, if you're doing the bad activities, then that might be a vote for strike first in that case. Um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting um, yeah, insight or, or observation. Yeah, especially, you know, when we think about, um, we had some shows about attentional control in the last couple of, of weeks. And uh, that, that is really something that sparked my interest a lot. And then I looked into what what people say around the, what the research says around this topic. And uh, they identified behavior patterns and, and activities that seem to uh, over time, really, you know, pay pay you will pay a price in your in the ability to to have attentional control. And then when you look on the side of like, what is my, for example, most important work, you know, and it's and and let's say that most important work is something that requires deeply concentrating for many many hours on 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 a single problem, then I'm going to be in a less good position to do that um, whether I want to do it or not if a lot of my days filled filled up with stuff that that drains my ability to uh, maintain my attention and so that that's one of the areas where it really where I was like okay I probably not only should but potentially I'm talking about myself here uh, would want to or need to eliminate at least some of the, the bad stuff first 
so I can then focus more on the on the good stuff or have, have an easier time focusing on adding more stuff in. Yeah, I'm of two minds about this. I'm I'm really of two minds about this because I think there's some maybe the reason this question's hard is because there's conflicting principles at play, right? So I see at least two different principles around for for deep concentration work in favor of strike first or add first to the strike first camp, right? There's certain behaviors that seem to uh in a very unscientific uh, sense of the word, like cause a chain reaction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. There's certain behaviors that cause a chain reaction where you do behavior X, right. And um, that very predictably leads to Y, which very predictably leads to Z and, 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 and so on and so forth. Um, for me, not doing a morning routine and starting the day. So sometimes, you know, like whatever, uh, just by necessity, I was up late at an event or something, and then I have to wake up kind of early, and I have to hop on a call. In like, those days just do not go as well. And there's no, like, all right, Sebastian, immediately after that call, I'm going to like, clear the mental context, and I'm going to sit down and plan out the day exactly. It's just different. I must have tried a variety of ways to get this to work the way I wanted it to. Like it must be in the hundreds of times. I don't know. Dozens, maybe hundreds. I, I'm not sure exactly. Right. But like days where, you know, like whatever I, I, uh, you know, have a late landing flight somewhere lands at 1am got to meet somebody kind of early. It's to the point now where sometimes I think about like being on less sleep might be worth it. <laughs> Like it might be worth getting four hours of sleep and then it's going to take me a while to wake up and get into it. I'm going to take a slow shower and stuff to be able to do a morning routine before I go meet somebody for a breakfast meeting. Because days that I don't start the morning, like with like, let me look at the plan for the day. Let me look at all the meetings I have for the day. What are the objectives for those meetings? Are they clear? Is there any material I need to review before then? So I'm not like the clueless freaking boss showing up that doesn't have the plot. You know, we have this, uh, by the way, we've gotten sloppy about this in late COVID. I'm, I'm like, we got to do a show about this and I'm going to drop the hammer organization wide. We used to be like agendas were always written the day before a meeting. <laughs> you know, we, this was the old standard. We need to get back to this. This makes me bullshit because like, no, 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 hold on. This is another chain reaction thing. If I wake up and I start like looking and like sequencing my day, like I'm the freaking president of the United States and I'm going to meet the joint chiefs here and I'm going to meet the, the congressional majority leader there. And then I'm going to meet the, whatever. And I'm like, okay, like, Hey, where's the brief? What are the, what's, what's the congressional majority leader want to talk about? Uh, Mr. President, we don't know. <laughs> I'm like, well, How do I plan? <laughs> what, what, is, 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 is this, is this guy or gal going to come in to the oval office shouting at me and ticked off about something are they going to come uh, on the charm are they working on a bill did, did one of their colleagues just screw something up and do some horrible thing that they're now covering up and like they're just kind of let me know in case it gets out like what's what's going on in the senate these days you know um so it's interesting right like prepping a meeting the day before chain reacts it makes the morning go well it means that both parties going to a can review in the morning doing morning routine chain reacts, you can orient everything. And it can be like, then sometimes I'll realize like, Oh, I have this meeting 
then I have to do this, and then I have another meeting. So I need to prep for all three of those things before any of them start, right? So morning routine on that, you know? So if I miss that thing, it chain reacts badly. And you could do it two ways. You could either look at like, hey, I'm going to do that morning routine, or the other way around. You know what gets me off the morning routine sometimes? And I always feel so stupid. It still happens to me from time to time. Is there's something, this, this is usually how it gets me. There's something interesting going on. There's something interesting going on. It's high leverage and exciting on chat or on email. And I just want to check it to see the high leverage thing to reply to it before I do my morning routine. And then sometimes it's like, oh, Sebastian, here's a great thing. But here's a bad thing. Can you look into it? And I'm like, well, shit, this is important. I better do that. Then it's like three hours later, and I'm on the freaking internet, and I don't know what happened. And I'm like, how did this just happen again? I'm like the biggest idiot in the world. This has happened to me before. I've, I've fallen. It's, it's, it's kind of like, I, I know it's like a bear trap. It's like there's a bear trap right there. It's like, don't go down that path. There's a bear trap right in the middle of it. And I'm like, let me take a couple steps in that direction. I'm not going to walk the rest of the way down there. I'm going to take a couple steps. I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to go back into my house. I'm going to make my breakfast and have morning routine and stuff. I'll take a couple steps. I'm like, oh, what's that? That's a pretty bird. Snap. like screws up my morning the whole rest of the day runs badly um as a result so i i I think when doing a good thing makes other good things happen in a chain reaction then you maybe add uh contrarily when doing something stupid makes things go go poorly then then maybe you're you're cutting subtracting striking accordingly Hmm. Yeah, I don't, it's it's uh, it's very interesting. I mean, on the on the exact same pattern here. Um, I at some point realized the first three hours of the day are super. How the first three hours of my day go will very often uh, determine sort of how the rest of the day. It's almost like an on ramp, like the like the, the airplane takes off, but there's there's like a bunch of. Um, of rocks and, and stuff on the runway, <laughs> that thing might eventually, they might just like slide into the ditch instead of taking off. And uh, that's how I feel about having the morning not not streamlined. And um, yeah, definitely have ended up in the ditch every, every once in a while as well. I'm like, what happened today? I didn't, they, they didn't take off. Um, on the, yeah, sometimes, it might also depend on just how how challenging it is. Um, putting in sometimes it can be, you know, the very often the, the most important stuff is also like potentially the hardest stuff. The, the, I think there is a bit of a correlation there of the the things that are really hard often being the most valuable things. So maybe if an area is really really out of order, then, um, you know, removing some of the low hanging fruit, bad stuff could be an easy way to get started. I'm not sure, but I think that's, um, this is where, this is where I'm of two minds and this is where it's very dependent on where somebody's at in their life and career and maturity. 
And to be really frank, I feel like the advice changes based on how competent someone is in their domain right now, how much they have an accurate world model of themselves in their domain, and then how how ambitious they are, how elite they want to be and end up at the end of the day, right? So I think there's like different advice for someone that's like, and I say this respectfully, no disrespect, but someone's like a clueless pre-beginner or still a clueless early beginner. It's different advice than if someone's intermediate or advanced, right? And this is one of the challenges with the world is you read advice and you have to be like, is this advice to beginners, is this advice to an intermediate person, is this advice to an advanced person? By the way, that's like a secondary takeaway from this show. Whenever you listen, whenever somebody's taking advice, the first thing to do is like, is this beginner advice, intermediate advice or advanced advice? Right. And, and, and sometimes you shouldn't follow advanced advice when you're a beginner. I feel, I feel like sometimes beginners need to go put reps in and, and you get into the fancy, crazy shit and, and, and you're missing the, the fundamental get after it stuff. Um, so I think it changes based on that. It changes based on whether you can accurately assess, you know, whether you can accurately, like whether your world model and your, uh, whether your world model is, is correct and whether your, um, like assessment of the rest of the world and of yourself is correct. Right. I think at this point, it took me a couple decades. I think at this point on some stuff, not on everything, but on some stuff, I think I know the difference between I'm procrastinating versus I'm going to let the information develop and I'm going to know a lot more in three days. And like, I, I think even like five years ago, I couldn't say that in, 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 in full confidence. But I think now, like sometimes I'm like, hey, I want to move on this thing. But like some stuff is absolutely like changing and I'm getting the word on what's happened in the next two days. I'm very reliably going to know where things are at two days from now. And like, I'm going to make a better call in three days. Usually you just want to make the call as fast as you can and keep moving. Sometimes like, hey, let's... Uh, let's see if we get a yes or a no on this, this big project thing. And let's also in that time window, this like really long shot, you know, crazy bet that we made. That's probably not going to happen. We'll get the definitive answer on because if the answer is yes. We're going to think totally differently. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you wait, wait two days. Um, I think I'm pretty good these days in some domains, not in all of them of knowing whether I'm screwing off and, and uh, I'm like, eh, I really should just move on this versus like, no, it's, it's correct to get some more information here. Um, so I think if somebody's a really beginner, really, really, really beginner, I think any like advice that like you should strike bad stuff that's unrelated to the goal before moving is wrong. Like you should just work on the goal. You know, like so many people are like, I need to do all this stuff that's not the goal before I can get into the goal. You know, someone's like, hey, I want to make a website, but I need to buy a new computer first. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, like, no, 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 no. Right. I want to be a writer, but I need to buy a new computer first. I need different pencils. Like, no. Right. Um, and likewise, in terms of striking distractions. Um, you know, the standard advice that I give, uh, you know, for multiple years, um, as, as many, many listeners know, uh, I, t I track my time down to the five minute block. 
I don't always do it anymore. From time to time, I do it. I got a lot out of it. At some point, you kind of like, okay, that's how things work. Um, it's cool to do it to tune up things. It's a bit of a commitment to do, right? But I track my time literally down to the five-minute block. So um, I could tell you what I was doing four years ago at 3.35 p.m., you know, on January the 14th. You know, I could, I could tell you literally exactly what I was doing. Um, I have records on that, right? Which is was cool. Um, and I sorted them in different categories and whatever and did some analysis and stuff. Really interesting. Sometimes people are like, that's cool. I'm the type of person like that. I want to do that too, right? I always tell people, don't even bother tracking all of your time to start. Don't bother. First off, it's freaking difficult and there's there's all kinds of little edge casey stuff. If there's like a blend and you're switching back and forth, there's like all kinds of little weird edge cases if you want to like actually do it kind of rigorously. I say, look, just start. Just start by writing down how much time you put into whatever you classify as most important. That's it. Write down the start time, the end time. You don't even need to sum it in a spreadsheet. You sum it later. You know, 1 p.m. back from lunch, starting on my novel, PhD thesis, web application, studies, like whatever, right? And then you write down what time you finish. And if you forgot, you guess, and you guess on the conservative side what time you finished. Oh, I was like working for a while. Then I stopped. I think I stopped around 2.30, <laughs> Right? doesn't have to even be that precise. You order magnitude is totally fine, right? When I started time tracking, I tr- started by tracking everything. I quickly realized it wasn't that important because the first week I did time tracking, I think I put in it was either three and a half or four and a half hours total the whole week on the thing that I classify as the most important. And it's amazing. I did this and I was like, well, hey, it's unsurprising that things aren't going as fast as I'd like them to. Do you know what I mean? Like this is this is really clear, and 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 you know people talk about there's a there's a bit of a thing among programmers of like does a 10x programmer exist or not? You know, and it's like some people are like absolutely, and other people are like no, it's just an elitist stupid concept. And it's like for sure there's a single order of magnitude difference between people that get you know two to four hours of like very high level in the insight window and then putting down the fundamental blocks of the really important stuff and doing really good work. And then people that can do 20 to 40 of that. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm totally convinced and sure of it. I'm not saying that there's people that are 10x better than the people that are really, really good. I'm just saying the median, you know, or a little bit below the median might be, uh, you know, there might be people that are like productive that actually get a fair amount done that are so far below the theoretical utilization of if they were just really dialed in and, you know, had the really the model and the problem space in their head. And again, there's very different types of programs. It's like a holy war topic that we've like drifted into, by the way. So if anybody's like upset about it, feel free to email us, podcast at ultraworking.com and tell us what's on your mind or just like flame us on Twitter um, if you need to. That's it's viable. It's a viable thing you could do with that. But, you know, I always tell people, start time tracking just the most important thing. You want to be working on a novel, your PhD thesis, just write down how, how many hours, like what was the start time, what was the end time of like actually doing it. And, and when people start this, it's always like way lower than they expect it to be. And it, it like really doesn't matter. Like, I, I think it's kind of funny. Like if you spend 40 hours out of the week, like watching television reruns of like The Sopranos or, or Game of Thrones or something, it doesn't really actually matter cutting all of that stuff. Like you might have a nicer life if you cut that stuff out and replace it with other stuff, probably would. But 
that's usually not what's holding somebody back if they're only putting in five hours. If there's somebody that's like done some amazing product development, but hasn't done any of like getting it out to the market, getting marketing or distribution going. And they're like, why isn't the thing going? They do a little analysis. They find out they only put two hours into marketing the past week. Do you know what I mean? Right. They've done some amazing craft thing. They've made this amazing handcrafted, whatever. So woodworking, whatever. They want to get a distributor that'll distribute their products for them, get them into some shops. How many hours did you actually put into that last week? Zero. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, okay, like quit watching Game of Thrones and playing video games or don't. Just like more than zero would be a massive, uh, technically an infinite improvement week over week um, in terms of the input metrics. So I do think when somebody's an abject beginner, I feel like a lot of times like absolutely cut stuff. You know what I mean? Like if you've got a roommate who has like a serious drinking problem and has like fights with their romantic partner and they're shouting and yelling at each other in the middle of the night while drunk, like three times a week. Yeah. Move by all means, get to moving as soon as you can. That's a great idea to subtract that from your life. Um, Anything short of real insanity like that, like start working on the novel, start working on the PhD thesis, if you need to do marketing, do marketing. If you need to work on a product, work on product. If you're studying, study, you know, um, adding that. If you're abject beginner and you don't have a world model, I think subtracting, saying I want to subtract before I start rocking and rolling when you don't have an accurate role model of yourself in the domain is like super dangerous because people like lie to themselves and like they're kind of scared. They're kind of not on it. You know what I mean? And so they're like, let me like clean my desk. Let me organize my affairs. Let me remove all the distractions. And then I will sit down and write a symphony to rival Beethoven. It's like three years later. It's like, how much music you written in the last three years? None. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. This, this clean, this, this clean all the desk to remove distractions theory is not working out for your career as a classical music composer. Hmm. It's it's clear like someone that um, doesn't yet even know what their most important thing is and doesn't spend any time on it, just going to just going to um, not do other things. Uh, it's not going to magically make that appear. Like you could, uh, if you want to write a novel, really the only way to write it is, is the, the activity called writing the novel has to appear in your in your time journal in your many many times well per week or per month at least um, just not having the activity of uh, internet browsing in there or something is not going to make that happen um, in in, in uh, you know in jiu-jitsu which which I really like um I think it's it's actually kind of similar. Like you, you find these complex situations where the question is, what what should I do first? Should I like he's attacking my leg? Should I like defend my leg, or should I try to establish my own tag over here? Like, but this is a typical beginner question. Like, what should I do in this situation? There's so many options. What is the f- and uh, and uh, not necessarily an answer that will will immediately tell you like but it's like what is the biggest what's the biggest um 
what what's hurting the most right now is uh, like where do you see the biggest uh, threat for example in, in, in jiu-jitsu that's that's a question to evaluate and then you that in, in, in this our scenario here it could mean that you potentially uh, flip back and forth so you add one good thing in and then you get rid of one bad thing and then you add in another good thing and get rid of another bad thing if those like there is probably always one either potentially subtracting or additive activity that right now is the biggest leverage. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. You know, um, I've done a little bit, little bit of martial arts in my life, not very much, right? Little, little bit, and and I, I know a little bit as well, having talked with some people and such. Um, you know, it strikes me that, that, you know, if you're, if you're developing as a martial artist, whether that's in a jujitsu, uh, whether that's in a striking, uh, martial art or, or, you know, the, the fight with, I forget the name of it, the fight with sticks thing. That's, that's, uh, that's really, really, really tough, really, uh, good people from the Philippines. Was it Eskrima? So, you know, you look at stuff like that, right? And then you also you look at, at, at other just contact sports and, and other sports in general. There's things that you want to do when you're playing a sport, right? When you learn how to punch, right? Most people just punch with their arm and you want to rotate through it. So, you know, you want to get a lot of the power out of your legs and transferring through your core and your hands just kind of a, a delivery vector. Your hands not, you know, your hand, elbow, shoulder are not doing a lot of work. Uh, when you're throwing a punch, they're just there to kind of transfer kinetic energy, right? Um, so you learn how to punch and you learn how to like rotate through it, right? Um, and like, that's good. Um, there's other habits that I think in almost every mainstream striking martial art, they drill you pretty early on like, don't get caught moving your feet badly, <laughs> such that you're and there's like a few different ways to move your feet badly and be compromised where you can get taken out and get your block knocked off. Right. Um, so it's kind of interesting, right? There's things like actually, like if you're boxing, like actually punch correctly. Do you know what I mean? And actually like put force behind it. And then it's like, don't move your feet sloppy. So, so that you're, you know, you're off balance and you get your block knocked off. Right. So, you know, you look at, you know, sports teams, you know, we talk about sports, for example, sometimes the New England Patriots, American football team. Football is a bit of a misleading term, American football. It's mostly played by holding the ball with your hands. They kick it from time to time, but like really not very often. It's, it's a bit of a, so it goes, right? Um, one thing that I heard is, is, you know, one of the coaches, I'm from Boston, one of the coaches uh, from that area from the New England Patriots, uh, Bill Belichick, um, they'd be practicing and he would randomly like walk over with a bottle, like douse the ball in water and say, we're going to play in the rain sometimes. So you'd have to like, the center would have to hike the ball, now wet. The quarterback would need to handle the ball, now wet, and then now throw a wet ball. You know, and this strikes me as the type of thing, I don't know, maybe every team practices this, but but it strikes me as the type of thing a lot of teams wouldn't practice. Do, do you know what I mean? Of like, how do you not make a mistake when the ball is wet? You know, how do you, how do you deal with that? And then so, you know, in sports, there's like, in martial arts, there's like adding correct technique correct attention, correct focus. And then there's like removing mistakes and errors. And I, I really wonder if this varies 
from domain to domain. Um, to take it to a different level, uh, you know, you and I played some shooter games together. I think one of the things that made me a much, much, much better player of shooter games is learning to not be greedy. Like if I wound somebody like 80%, but they've like legitimately got far enough away that they now have position and like chasing them would be stupid. Right? There's plenty of times I'm like, no, I want to get them. And I like go run into a counterattack and get killed, you know, right in the video game. Um, So it's like little things like that. There's like how to be aggressive and then like knowing when not to get like baited. Like that's like bait. You know, the person gets behind cover with like enough distance and has the right right guns in a shooter game. Like you don't go after them there. You don't get greedy, you know, and like avoiding that. So, you know, techniques and studies to both add the correct way to do things in a martial art, in a sport, in a video game, in work, in anything – and then also like identifying situations where you're doing something greedy or incorrect or with bad form um, and eliminating those. I think the, you know, how we started this, just the realization that you look at um, any, any field from both sides, I think is really valuable. Um, I like your heuristic, uh, the, where am I? Am I, am I a beginner? Am I a, intermediate am i an advanced uh player in this in this in the sport in this field um maybe different rules apply for me there um and and i might have to um, study closer what is the biggest point of leverage maybe sometimes i could also see that it's sometimes it's um Maybe I could see in some areas that the first thing that we are intrinsically drawn towards might not even be the best thing. You know, that it might be a bias. Some things just like stand out and seem very, um, you know, seem like they present themselves as an easy target. And uh, potentially, you know, the, the thing that will actually give you the biggest leverage is 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 the thing that doesn't immediately stand out um yeah a lot of people a lot of people uh, and i've done this plenty so so somebody can call me a a hypocrite that's totally fine and maybe i still do this i try to do this less as the years go on um i feel like a lot of times people like want to bust bust it really hard or be perfect in an area not because they think that actually correlates with results or some desired world state or personal outcome, not a success for the world, success for your family, personal success, financial success, whatever. Uh, it's, it's kind of the, you know, Max Weber, the, the, like one of the, 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 the OGs, the godfathers of sociology, he talked about the Protestant work ethic, right? He wrote this book, The Protestant Work Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism, where the Protestants like, were like, hey, like working really hard is like a godly thing. Like, like doing your trade, you're a blacksmith, you're a farmer, doing a great job at that. That's not crass commercialism. That's not getting away from God. That is a very godly thing. You're a blacksmith. You make really safe, good farm tools when you need farm tools. And if there's bad guys around, you all need to protect your city. Then you make the swords and shields to protect your, your people. You're a farmer. You work really hard in the field. You sow, you reap, you plant. You feed people. Some of that you consume for your family. Some of that you trade. You get paid for. You're in business. 
and uh yeah like that 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 was england obviously they they flipped uh you know under henry the 8th to the 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 anglican church of england right it's the united states was founded primarily by a few different people the, the spanish were involved there's some of native american culture was adopted but largely it's england a little bit dutch new amsterdam became new york right um germany obviously martin luther was a was a german and you know a little bit of a under discussed story by the way about that whole thing is is i I really just think when you think about the innate friction between germans and italians it's been going on for like thousands of years literally thousands of years like germans and italians were like not getting along in roman times very well right i think it's just like you know like whether martin luther was theologically sound or not it's like he's a german he's saying the italians are getting this shit wrong (laughs) All right, let's give him a let's let's listen to this guy. He seems quite reasonable, and it's written very logically. Um, maybe there was some of that going on. I hope that doesn't step on anybody's toes. Um, just having a, a smile about that. So you know, I think a lot of times people, uh, you know, even if they're they're not religious at all, right, or they're from a different culture, you know, it's kind of that Anglo-American thing became a lot of the world. You know, people wear. Levi's blue jeans, they drink Coca-Cola and use computers and the internet, you know what I mean? He's came out of these cultures, right? Um, So I think sometimes people are just like, I want to work hard instead of like, I want to get results. And so sometimes they're like oriented to like the hard thing, which is cool. Like, I like that. I like tough people. I like people who do hard things. Uh, And like, if you're like going to be like stupidly hardcore for the hell of it, I think that's cool, right? But a lot of times there's like, Hey, like what leads to success here, you know? Mm, right. Yeah, that's, uh, I can definitely see that sometimes I will feel, I will do the thing that feels the best for me, but it's not necessarily the thing that gets the mission accomplished the fastest, the easiest, uh, the most effectively. Um, yeah, definitely uh, something to consider as well. Same. And I mean, you did the show on Gaul's Law, right? Every complex system, you know, so, so Gaul's Law, if I'm, if I'm getting right off the top of my head here, um, every complex system you see that works inevitably when investigated arose from a simpler system that worked well. You never see a system just be born complex and work well, ever, <laughs> right? Um, so... You know, whenever I see somebody that doesn't already have something running well in an area, like draw up, hey, before I write my symphony, you know, before I start actually writing music, first I'm going to like organize my life and write an equation for my entire life, (laughs) you know, and it's like eight steps and like step seven is get ready to write music and step eight's write music. Now, sometimes right? There's legitimately a step or two. If you want to like, uh, you know, make music programmatically or get involved in machine learning or AI around music, there might be like, get a little bit into the music stuff, get a little bit into the AI stuff. Step three, start making AI generated music. Fine. When it's more than like three steps and you're new in something, I'm like really skeptical. When it's more than like one step, I'm skeptical. 
right? So I think when some people are like, I got to subtract all of the crap, I've got to get my life into a perfect harmonious zone before I actually add. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. But I do think that changes. Like, like take, take this advice, right? Both of these advices are true, right? There's advice that people say of like, if you aren't extremely feeling it, hell yes or no, Derek Sivers, hell yes or no, say no to everything. That's not hell yes. And this was more common maybe 10 years ago, but it's still out there. When you're just getting started in a field, say yes to everything. You get invited to a party, say yes. You get invited to go to a meetup, say yes. Somebody asks you to help them with something, say yes. Just say yes to everything when you don't have everything going on, right? And I actually think they're both correct situationally. You know, if you're a freshman in college or you're one year out of college and you don't have much going on, you don't realize there's like little floated opportunities all the time that most people are just saying no to a lot or they're just like saying nothing to, but like, you know, somebody like comes in uh, uh, to the work office and they're like, Hey, later tonight, there's like a bluegrass music thing that my friend is playing at. If anyone would like to go, let me know. You don't even register. You're like, I don't like blue. You you don't even register. You don't even decide you don't like bluegrass music. Right. But if you're like, yes, (laughs) you know, if you don't have any other plans, yes. Go see this bluegrass thing. Right. Um, I think that's like correct when you're like uh, when, when you when you when you're when you're just getting started, right? Just say yes to everything, and then as you move up, then it's like now you gotta start saying no to everything. So like once you've got a good base of something, then rounding out all the rough edges, the frictions, the nonsense, and striking cutting seems correct. If you don't have that going yet, if somebody's really new, you, you know, I I feel like really run out all of the rough edges, get rid of all those last lingering things, automate is really good, like, intermediate advice. You know what I mean? And I think it's, like, often very bad beginner advice and, and, and something to be thoughtful about. Like, you got to get some stuff happening first and foremost. And for most people that haven't started optimizing anything yet, it's like, you know, start doing some stuff and then strike later. Once you're intermediate, you know, and you've been saying yes to everything or whatever for a while and you got all these opportunities, then you got to start subtracting and striking and streamlining and then the edge cases and optimizations and stuff go a long way. That's my guess. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And uh, it's also, you know, very often, that's why I think it's really great um, how you broke it down because very often the advice is going to be not... um, it's it's going to be given in a in a universal way without those caveats. Hey, where are you? Are you in a, a beginner stage? Are you in the middle stage? Are you in the end stage? The the advice that that is right for you might very well um, change, and, and and it's not universal. It's super situation dependent. Um, and yeah, I think uh, this was this was an interesting um, exploration. You want to quickly summarize everything we discussed? Yeah. So we started by saying that we're going to bring up a question that's interesting to think about, that there's not a right answer definitively to it. We didn't find one. We found a bunch of interesting principles, though, right? Of like, when you want to improve in an area, should you add more good behaviors or should you cut bad behaviors? Should you add healthy stuff to make sure you're eating a great breakfast? Should you cut crap? out of your diet. If you only had to pick one, you're going to start with one, which one, right? And we said, hey, we, we're not going to necessarily get the answer to that. 
We're not necessarily going to get the answer to that. But then we started deriving principles. The first one was the one that you brought up, which is if the stuff you're doing drowns out the beauty or the joy of the good version, right? You're eating all this sugar. Like carrots are very sweet if you're not eating a bunch of sugar. If you're eating Pop-Tarts, carrots are very bland and kind of weirdly chewy. Um, You know what I mean? Carrots are just like a weirdly chewy substance that doesn't taste like much if you're on the sugar thing. If you're not on the sugar thing, carrots are very sweet. So that's that was a very interesting immediate takeaway, which is if whatever you're doing that's crap drowns out the beautiful thing, then you might want to quit the crap. So if you want to read... um, you know, some, some really classic works of literature you know, spend time reading, you might need to cut out social media for a while, put that stuff on block, log out your accounts, right? You know, from there, we explored some other things. After that, I brought up chain reactions. There's good and bad chain reactions and taking a look at that, right? And then we looked at a bunch of, uh, you know, we just threw out a bunch of different test cases and explored those. And one thing we came to was that on the one hand, you know, setting things up to have things streamlined to make it as easy as possible to perform, right? Especially to start the day strong and get it going on the right foot is very, very good, right? Um, On the other hand, a lot of times people that are beginners to something are trying to get the perfect setup instead of getting moving. So maybe the more cut, streamline, subtract, stuff is maybe better left for people once they're at an intermediate level and beginners should be just relentlessly focusing on doing more of the right thing. Um, and probably we covered half a dozen other points. I think I went on about how there was a conflict between Germans and Italians at some point or something, but I, I don't know, as we do, <laughs> um, as we do. Anyway, I'm not Italian uh, for better or worse. I'm not Italian. Uh, you are German. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I think I think we're okay over here. But uh, I think it's a fascinating topic. I'm glad you brought it up, Chris. And I think, I think it's genuinely a useful thing to just explicitly ask the question. That's why I'm happy that you brought this up is now a listener can say, hey, I want to make improvement in my athletic technique. I want to make improvement in my studies. I want to make improvement in my profession. I want to do more creative work. I want to do whatever. What do I need right now? Do I need to add? Do I need to cut? What's the mix? Um, and, and maybe they could think about that a little more elegantly and maybe it can occur to them that, hey, you want to do some dieting, nutrition stuff. Maybe it's adding, not cutting um, in the beginning. You want to be more focused. Maybe it's adding, not cutting. Or the other way around. Maybe it is cutting, cutting out bad stuff. So, Chris, yeah, wonderful topic and fun exploration. Thank you. And thank you, dear listener. As always, it's a pleasure. Be well.